Blog Talk Radio. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast today. As you can see, I'm doing the Glitter Granny deal. (laughs) I will soon be doing affiliate marketing at Amazon, and we'll be selling books and products and There'll be a lot more information to come about uh, Glitter Granny gifts that will be available for everyone. Now, for my listeners, let me ask you a question. Have you ever met a songwriter? (laughs) Now, would you like to meet one whose first song went to number one country song of the year in 1983? Tell me, have you ever heard of the song Jose Cuervo? Well, if you've ever been drinking tequila anywhere, I'm sure you've not only heard it, you probably sang it. (laughs) Can you imagine meeting someone who's written a song and now she's done something else? She's written a historical fiction novel. Now it's your chance to meet someone who is both a songwriter and a novelist. Have you ever ever heard about a book entitled entitled Pearl? Well, it's one of those books that I just read recently, and uh, this is music to her ears. I loved it so much, I, I couldn't put it down, and I just plowed through it in a day and a half. <laughs> we'll be sharing that with you today. If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions that I've asked you, then you're in the right place. And I'd like to welcome you to January Jones sharing senior success stories. Now it's time to relax, rest, go get some cheese, get some crackers, pour yourself a glass of wine. And let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. She wrote Jose Cuervo in 1980 and saw the power of music firsthand. This was her first song she had ever written, and she's going to tell us how it came about. 
it became a honky-tonk anthem, and it hit number one on the charts, and it was sung by Shelley West. In addition, Billboard magazine named it the number one country song of the year, and it earned her a Grammy nomination. Now, I'm very pleased to introduce you all to Cindy Jordan. Hi, Cindy. How are you today? I'm doing great, January. How are you? I'm wonderful, and I'm so happy to have you with us. Uh, I will share with our listeners that we recently just met, maybe probably a month or month and a half ago, and uh, it was so exciting to read your book, incredible, but uh, let's back up a little bit. Tell us what it was like when you wrote that song, how did you write it, and give us a little background on that. I was a cocktail waitress in the 70s, and Every night about 11 o'clock, the bartenders, we'd all have a shot of Jose Cuervo tequila. And so we kind of catch up with the rest of the crowd. There were baby boomers partying, right? And I came home one night and saw my guitar sitting there leaning on my couch and waiting for my boyfriend to show up. And I wrote it about 10 minutes. I'm a classically trained piano player. So I oh, love okay. this way. And yeah. But I picked up the guitar when I was in Girl Scouts and learned a few chords. And just mm-hmm. I was listening to the song Sunday Morning Coming Down by Chris Christopherson. And I just started it Sunday morning and just talked about drinking too much tequila. <laughs> well, I guess we all could have talked about that during those years. Um, and then were you amazed when it had such an incredible uh, launch and became so popular so quickly? You know, what's interesting about it, January, is I had my enlightening spiritual experience with tequila because I totally, <laughs> okay. I totally understand the way the universe works, the way God works. That's how I learned was I had a day. My record was out in Los Angeles. I was a local celebrity there. I opened for big Nashville acts in the Palomino Club in North Hollywood. And so my record was number was first and it was on Warner Brothers but Nashville never promoted it so I had a day where I was so mad oh I was angry and mm-hmm. I had been raised Catholic and knock at the door all that <laughs> I'm saying this is crap this isn't true none of that's true I was so praying and praying and praying but here was the when I finally said why don't but if you even exist, I was so angry. I was like, you think solar systems are supposed to impress me? <laughs> the mountains, you know. I said, this is a hit song and you know it, so why don't you do it? And within two years, I had Song of the Year with Shelly singing. Oh, yeah, it's a wonderful song. Uh, I was hoping we could play, uh, but uh, we were talking earlier that there's something with the copyright issues. Well, and, January, I'll just sing a little bit of it for you a cappella. You know, okay, go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> so it goes, uh, it says, it's Sunday morning and the sun is shining and my eye that is open and my head is spinning. <laughs> I was the life of the party and I can't quit grinning. I had too much tequila last night. And then the chorus is, Jose Cuervo, you are a friend of mine. I like to drink you with a little salt and lime. Did I kiss all the cowboys? Did I shoot out the lights? Did I dance on the bar? Did I start any fights? But here's what made it a hit. 
Now, wait a minute. Who's this sleeping beside me? <laughs> okay, I like this. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Things don't look too familiar. Who is this cowboy who's sleeping beside me? He's awfully cute, but how'd I get his shirt on? I had too much tequila last night. That was the line that made it a hit. Oh, anyway, yeah. just got a royalty check yesterday, so somebody's hearing it somewhere. Well, it's probably I've been listening to it a lot. <laughs> I'm not a big country western fan, but I love your song, and I, I've heard it. I've been in so many uh, uh, tequila bars through the years that it's just it's a it's an anthem, and it. it's a honky tonk legend. Um, now, so you broke this song, and did it change your life? What happened after you got it out there and it became well, so popular? What happened was it made me realize I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Because what happened was they said, what else do you have? And I wasn't prepared for the music business in that way. Mm-hmm. Even, But I knew how big Jose Cuervo was because of the way people reacted to it. Mm-hmm. And my, when I made it, I mean, the first night down there, that was the days when the phones had little buttons all over it. It just lit up like a Christmas tree. And they had so many requests on the Larry Scott truckers show, which was oh. from midnight to six in the morning. And it had a clear channel from Pennsylvania all the way to Hawaii. So the truckers <laughs> were all requesting this song. They had to play it like two, three times a night. Mm-hmm. And, but the path and the journey that it took me on is pretty incredible because after that I moved to Texas. I met a cowboy who took me to Texas. I kind of lived out my song and we had a couple of babies and I'm thinking, uh, honky tonk singing wasn't really my deal anymore. So I started writing songs for children and started a little ministry called kids for kids. Because I, right. And then when we moved to Nashville, I got a record deal doing my ambient piano, which I did CDs for Page Music, which they wanted fresh compositions. And the way I started composing music was I would practice and practice and practice my classical. And then I just take off because mm-hmm. I was perfectionist. I So then in around 2001, I guess, I had about 5 million downloads of my music. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Right. From all, because my Ave Maria went number one mm-hmm. and on mp3.com uh, for about four or five months. Oh, and wow. Mm-hmm. Number one, people were just downloading, downloading my music all over the place. And even today, I still get messages from people about how they downloaded the music and then I got into research about the power of music and how it helps people and so I started keynote speaking I went to uh, Toastmasters got my DTM and started Mm -hmm. on the power of music because just for starters the year that Jose Cuervo went number one the Hubeline company their sales went up 14 million cases oh my gosh yeah so I'm learning and I'm learning and I'm learning. And then I heard a story when I moved to Texas, Mm -hmm. an incredible story about a nun in Spain who was cloistered 
and she bilocated to the new world. And there's a lot, they called her the lady in blue. I had to tell this amazing story. So that turned into a ballet. But then... You know, we're going to take a break right now. And uh, someone else had a number one book at Amazon. If you're a whiner or if you know a whiner, this is the perfect gift to get or give. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back with my guest. And Thou Shall Not Wine is available at audible.com, too. Uh, Cindy, before we go on, would you share a little bit of your contact information and website information so I don't forget that? Okay. You can go to CynthiaProductions.com, and all my music is free there because music is free now. So all my music is free. You can download it on your computer, and you can have Jose Cuervo, the original, and all kinds of <laughs> So, yes. Yeah. And if they won't whine, if you're whining. <laughs> well, you're a perfect person to have on uh, senior success stories. Actually, we're going to call you uh, super senior because okay. you're a writer and uh, you've been pianist extraordinaire, uh, produced a ballet. And now I know you're writing uh, some more books. And uh, tell us a little bit about this latest book, the one I love so much that I couldn't put down, which is entitled Pearl. And uh, it's an interesting, fabulous story. Did this have any connection to um, Los Angeles, where you live in Texas? Yes, in San Angelo. What, so they, they said at one time, if you were put a roof over the town of San Angelo in Texas, it would be a giant brothel, okay? <laughs> because that's what it was founded on, which is the Wild West, the brothels, the saloons, and the gambling, and the drinking, right? So that was the Wild West and why they called it that. And so I was kind of, I bought myself a saloon outfit, and there was a place down there called Miss Hattie's, and I would do honky-tonk piano. And uh-huh. I was thinking about the girls there and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I thought okay there's the fun and here's the thing January we all of us women can relate to this all of us can we understand that in our soul about this Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we love to have fun 
if our lovers are great, we love that. We love to get a little buzz maybe on some wine. I mean, we've all experienced mm-hmm. this kind of thing. These For girls, sure. these girls, most of them in those days didn't live to be over 30. They were on, mm-hmm. yeah, they were on Lanium. Uh, it's the oldest profession in the world, that type of thing. And I started relating to those girls, just understanding what that business was and how it was to be that business. And I came across these two women in Chicago and I started Mm. doing on them and they were the Everlay sisters. They had the most famous bordello in the world. And, but the interesting thing about that, they made millions of dollars and this is in the early 1900s. But the doctors that would check them every week told them, don't have intercourse with your clients. And I went, a minute, wait a minute, because uh-huh. of these, which us that women, uh, that's the thing that our, that turns into our responsibility, especially the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We're responsible for that. And mm-hmm. know the stories that happen with all that. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, wait a minute. Nope, no intercourse, but pregnancy and because of pregnancy and disease. Mm-hmm. Also, the women were taught to be ladies. They wore beautiful gowns. They had the finest chefs. They had the best musicians. Mm-hmm. They had etiquette lessons every day. Mm-hmm. And this is a story. They were caught up on current events. So they were basically defined, I would define them as beautiful women, high class, beautiful women, with a parlor of happy endings, let's put it that way. Okay. Because, and I thought, this is a really good message for our culture and our girls today. Mm-hmm. Of what of the culture where it is right now and the self-esteem in young women is, there's no respect. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got this whole booty call thing where they don't even ask you your name or let alone a cup of coffee. You know, so I'm, I'm thinking... And we have to get back our power as women and and this this uh sovereignty of who we are and to teach our young girls to hold them that sovereignty and hold their power because we all know that any of us even our in our happy marriages, you know, sometimes <laughs> I felt like I was a sleeping pill, you know. Um Sure. Uh- yeah. You know, that spring brings to mind, like, now we have the uh, high-cost, high-class escort services, which they talk about, which is kind of comes down from what you're talking about. And, you know, I think that women in the uh, early part of this century, last century, or now into the next one, <laughs> but they were just, uh, they didn't know anything about sex. And it was something that was whispered and no one talked about. And you were technically not supposed to enjoy it. And I was raised Catholic like you. And basically, uh, we were taught, I'd say they tried to brainwash us, but didn't work with us. But we were taught that sex was only uh, allowed or permissible to become impregnated. 
And so you see these women who were having baby after baby after baby, and you can see how they were very comfortable with telling their husbands, maybe you should go somewhere else for exactly. yourself. Well, yeah. not, not only that, but it was impolite to have intercourse with your wife if she was pregnant. So, mm-hmm. you know, Poor guys would wait, you know. <laughs> and, but we have to understand, and in the book, Pearl, and in the musical, which, by the way, the musical, we performed it in Texas last summer, sold out every night with Sandy mm-hmm. Novak. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so we're on 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 uh, course to go to Broadway and do the whole deal because it's a powerful, powerful message. But mm-hmm. there's one part we have to understand ourselves as human beings and, and understand ourselves as mammals and understand ourselves as just emotional beings, right? Mm-hmm. And so Miss Pearl, she, she tells this young gal who comes to her parlor, she says, the girl says, is sex bad, Miss Pearl? Because I'm getting these feelings. I'm getting these feelings. And, and I, I can't help it. I find myself looking at the back parts of men, and sometimes I look at the front, and I'm I'm gonna, my center. I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this familiar, and uh, in our generation, right? And Miss Pearl, said, no, honey, how old are you? No, you're. It's natural. She says, how many times can a woman give birth in nine months? once yeah. how many times can a man father a child in nine months hundreds so yeah. we're wired that way mm-hmm. That's wired as mammals just plain old mammals right and that's yeah and but the danger of men wandering to these bordellos or parlors mm-hmm. is because they would affect their wives yes right and that was good yeah well, you know, um, I'm going to uh, promote, I wrote several books on the Kennedys, and actually, Mrs. Kennedy was a classic example of what women were going through. I believe she had nine children, right in a row, and I think at some point she was just closed the bedroom door and she was out of business. And so then her husband was flagrantly having affairs, bringing women home with him. And she went along with it. And I'm sure a lot of women in that era just went along with it because they were glad to not have to worry about being pregnant all the time. Isn't that true? I think so. Also, another line that Ms. Pearl says is we call it a business. You call it your wifely duty when the church ladies and 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 so the whole thing and then there's this wonderful song that I wrote when I was doing the whole book was heavily heavily researched heavily mm-hmm. and the first part is about Victoria Pearl's backstory and the Everlay sisters and how she learned the trade and then we go into ten different stories with ten different girls and how they end up at Miss Pearl's parlor. And then the third part is life at Miss Pearl's parlor. Mm-hmm. So you hear that the, you know, these little girls, they 
didn't want to be, they didn't want to grow up to be prostitutes, no. you know, and yeah. then the, more recently, even since this, it, I think it maybe started in the seventies where it really started getting picking up momentum where women started being more independent and not dependent on men. But before that you had to have a husband or a yeah. daddy or a family or sons to survive. You know, we're going to take a break right now, and uh, if you'd like to hear a a little bit about who I think killed Kennedy, listen to this. (laughs) I do. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones. Welcome back. We're here with Cynthia Jordan, and she's sharing with us some stories about uh, the city of San Angelos, and it's in Texas, and her book is really totally researched and it is truly like just reading a piece of history um the uh the the photos are incredible that you have sourced for the book i love those and uh, then they had the they call it the santa rita number one which was the oil boom that happened in uh 1923 and that really affected that area didn't it oh yeah it's the reason well, that oil discovery is one of the reasons the Allies never ran out of fuel during World War II. Mm-hmm. Just starting there, there's MD Anderson, there's all kinds of cancer research, all kinds of medical facilities, because the state of Texas, they thought that was barren land, and they said, well, if anything shows up in West Texas, UT, which is in Austin, and mm-hmm. College, which is A&M, would get royalties. And so when you see all of the graduates and all of the work and all of the amazing things that have come out of those two uh, educational places, mm-hmm. it's Santa Rita. They got, those are, every time you see those pumps in West Texas, that's cha-ching, cha-ching, <laughs> cha-ching. Yeah, we just recently did a show with uh, one of the, our guests who wrote about the Osage Indians. And that was the movie that's uh, nominated for an Oscar. Uh, and uh, that, the oil just uh, was such a event because they gave them land that no one wanted. 
<laughs> and then all of a sudden, they became the wealthiest people, some of the wealthiest people in the world. Uh, he told us this one story about the they would buy a Pierce Arrow, and they were never told about refueling, putting gasoline in it. So they would just drive it until it ran out of gas and then just leave it alongside the road. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many stories like that. Uh, and so now your uh, your play is hitting. Did you write the music for your play or your musical? How did that come about? Did all of it. And you can listen to the music on the website, or just go to pearlthebook.com and uh-huh. see if the book is is the script. So pearlthebook.com and there's a lot of photos. There's um, sound clips from the you know, sound bites from the musical and all the music. You know, one thing I'll bring up for all of you lady seniors was what in my research one time I was looking through it and I went, you've got to be kidding me. I had to write about it. I just had to write about it. Mm-hmm. And it was about Dr. Mortimer in England. And so in the old days, like you said, women, men were not educated it's not their fault, you know. Uh, women a lot of times will fake orgasms, and so the men think they're doing it right, and it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, just were never really educated. And so what would happen was when women were having probably PMS, which, in, you know, we all know what that is. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, <laughs> then they would go to the doctor, and the doctor would massage them to have an orgasm, and that was a treatment. It was called, yeah, it was called for female hysteria. Well, you know, <laughs> some of these women, it was all female hysteria, and they had posters. Look it up. You'll see these posters with these doctors advertising, right? Oh, my and, gosh. Oh, yeah. And so I said, I've got to write about this. And so, um, you know, <laughs> someone would just go like this, and these poor doctors would be sitting there for like 45 minutes, an hour, and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so this doctor, <laughs> The doctor, Dr. Mortimer, uh-huh. invented the vibrator. And and so what happened was, and he was in that same practice, right? Uh-huh. And so it was zip, 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 zip. But it was never talked about oh, no. in my company or any of that. Well, have tea and they would say, oh, you really need to go to this doctor. He oh. has a, yeah, because they didn't know what all that was. You know, it was mm-hmm. all about the men, the men, the men. You know, my mother about, you know, about how to, how to satisfy a woman. And yeah. so, so that's all in the play. And it's and it, the musical and the book. It talks oh. That uh, that's amazing. I think Dr. Mortimer, uh, Mort- he should be given an award. <laughs> I mean, and and he right. And so, oh, you know, in our day, it was. So I, you want to hear a funny story? I I worked at the Gill Drug, and they had these things that looked like a cone, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they showed this woman massaging her face, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's cool. I bought one for my mother. <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> so 
thought it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. <laughs> but now, I think it's an important subject to open dialogue, especially between women and especially young mm-hmm. girls. How to hold your sovereignty, how to demand respect, which is what the Everlays did, and such a strong, powerful message for women, because we really do, you know, we do what we want, we do what we feel like we have to do to keep peace in the house, Mm -hmm. and we don't worry about ourselves as much. I mean, most women, of course, we know the others, but, you know, but we're always just trying to keep things, you know, balanced. Well, you know, if you look back at it, and you you know truly that no woman, as you said earlier, would uh, choose to be a lady of the evening or a prostitute or to service men. But most of them are there were there because they had tragedies that happened in their life. Like some of these gals in your book, I, you wrote about, they were widows. Uh, some widows with children, some were abandoned by their husbands, some basically were thrown out by their families, and they were just left, they were on their own. And what I loved about the book particularly is you kind of weaved, uh, uh, they became a family of sorts. It was a sisterhood, and they were all there to support each other and help each other get through and then uh, you share that some of them eventually uh, married people that they had previously worked for, I guess, and they found romance. And what a, a fabulous way uh, to show uh, the strength of women. Oh, absolutely. We totally. hold, hold the power. We always have held the power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been accused of being harlots, temptresses, yeah. being blamed for what's natural for a man, it, you know, mm-hmm. there's been this kind of sin thing put on it or dirty, you know, sex is bad kind of thing. And it's not, it's a very, very natural, natural thing. But at the same time, it's beautiful when you're in love and you're cared for. It's just beautiful. But mm-hmm. it's still used, which... We've all probably experienced that in, in one way or another at some point, you know. It's mm-hmm. not the same. I mean, it's not the same. So mm-hmm. so this is really about, the book is about falling in love and making love and uh, and loving women and no judgment with women. And like you said, the sisterhood, these girls all took care of each other. And in fact, the Everlay sisters, they promote, they would want their girls to get married, these mm-hmm. wealthy men. The Everly sisters, you had to be wealthy. You could not be disrespectful. It was an elite group of men that were allowed into the Everly house, but especially that you could not be disrespectful. If you ever were not a gentleman, you were never invited back, You could, ne- no matter how much money you had. Mm-hmm. I loved that about them, yes. Oh, that's amazing. You know, right now I'm going to share uh, two of my books about priceless personalities. These are people who have been on my podcast through the years, and uh, I've enjoyed sharing them with you. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? 
people who have struggled to find solutions, people who fearlessly shared their stories, people who have not only informed you, but inspired you, people who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories, and it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you. Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes for Motown, a nurse who has a humorous helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the deep south. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience. Welcome back with another priceless personality that we're sharing today. Cindy, uh, let's talk a little bit about our senior success stories, yours and a little bit of mine. I wrote my first book 30 years ago, and uh, I was 50 years old, so everyone knows how old I am, and I'm celebrating it. And my message, and I'm sure your message will follow up, is that it's never, you're never too old. And if you don't, just sit down and do it. Because everyone talks, talk, talks, but you have to do it. Uh, how old, may I ask, were you when you published your, well, you, we know your song, you were very young. But as far as your books and your ballet, how old were you when you started those projects? Probably. I was in my 60s when mm-hmm. I I started them. Oh, no, late 50s, I guess. My next mm-hmm. yeah, I I hit the seven. I'm in the seventh, my seventh decade on my next birthday in May. (laughs) And, and honestly, I feel like I'm just getting started again because I'm writing a new musical about here in Florida. Uh, Yeah. And yeah, it's about being here in Sarasota. Mm -hmm. It's about a spiritual awakening, but it's going to be fun and funny because I'm an entertainer at heart, which means we have, and, be, and, and laugh as well. And so I'm writing a new musical. The other one, Pearl, uh, we've got a lot of interest in different theaters in Texas that are ready to take off with that. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's important. I love how you presented these stories. You know, Americans love, love, love 
the story of a challenge. Oh, for sure. That the story of overcoming a challenge, the story of the underdog who makes it, the you know. So I love your idea for your book and what you're doing there because, mm-hmm. and the whole whining thing, because how many people do you hear that are in their 60s? I hear people all the time, or even in their 30s and 40s sometimes, I'm mm-hmm. getting old. And I, I I always say, I'm glad I'm not getting old. You know, what the heck? The whiny thing, um, they can't move as, as limber as they used to or mm-hmm. things happening. But honestly, January, we are programmed in this culture because there are cultures that thrive and are healthy and in their 80s and 90s and live past 100. Mm-hmm. And look like they're in their 60s. They're kind of in the uh, Polynesian low-stress areas of our planet. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's different places where there's just, yeah, and and people in some so many societies they they they've come to honor uh, their elders, which is you know we were taught that from honor your mother, honor your father, but people got into this thing where youth, youth, youth. Well, you know, it's it's wonderful when you're young, but as you get older. <laughs> well, you know, the, the baby boomers still bo- are booming. Look yeah. at what's on television. Look what they're advertising now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was Buster Browns and diapers. And then <laughs> when we were teenagers, it was a Yardley perfume, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, a Donovan commercial. You know, we had... So they follow us because we're the ones that have the money. Oh, yeah. so oh. People now are living with their parents. They're mm-hmm. you know, uh, waiting for them to pass so they can just whatever slip in there. So we have a funny thing that's happening with our society, and uh, communication is so, so important. And everybody's on their phone, you know. The, yeah. You know, so... I love what you're doing here, and I think it's important that sometimes that we look back and say what we love about life, what we've loved about life, and, mm-hmm. and one-on-one communication, like when we, we have lunches with your friends, when you meet with different people and you have discussions, especially women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I'm, I'm going in this direction of the, uh, the glitter granny. Because I think that's my market because I'm in that age group. And you see so many people who are uh, grandparents. It doesn't just have to be women. But they are at a stage of their life where uh, they have enough money. You know, they're not out trying to make a buck to survive. And uh, they all have a lot of extra income. And guess what they like spending it on? They like spending it on their grandkids or, or themselves. <laughs> and, yeah, like what you said, it's more fun because we already got our stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me just, before we go, I want to hear, uh, what is your writing style? Do you write, are you a morning writer or are you an evening writer? Because uh, I think that tells me a lot about you as a writer. When do you write? I write when I'm inspired and I have learned how to just shut the door and you'll probably find me in the same pajamas for three days. I pop out 
to eat and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, but the books that I write, the songs that I write, I've learned. I know this might sound a little strange, but not to you because you're a writer. It's it's almost like you get a there's like a portal that opens. And in fact, when I wrote my book, Ruby, when you understand that, it's really hard to understand, when you understand that all things are happening at the same time, it's, uh, Einstein said there's no such thing as time, right? So we understand linear time. We understand. So I just kind of said, you know what, this book's already written. And I would sit down, and I had a focus on Wyatt Earp. I thought he was just you know, wonderful, strong, virile. Man. And Ruby was created like that. I didn't write a, it just kept flowing through. But so did Pearl and so did Diamond. I didn't write an outline. Well, so let's share with our listeners that this is, uh, uh, Cindy calls this the gem series. Right. So you're starting off with uh, Pearl, Ruby, and how many gems are you going to write about down the road? <laughs> well, I've got, so right now there's Pearl, and then Diamond is the sequel, and it talks about what happens to all those girls. And oh, yeah. on my hometown, which was Redondo Beach, California, where my dad was born at Universal Studios. And so I grew up in that Hollywood, kind yeah. of, was 15 miles from us, and so it's right about the new New York Broadway coming to to the California and the Hollywood to do the movies. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what that's based on. And then one of Pearl's girls, of course, becomes a famous star. And then Ruby is, uh, you meet Ruby in Diamond, but she is friends with Wyatt Earp and his wife, Josephine. So, mm-hmm. and that's researched, you know, the whole... Uh, okay, Corral and all of that. So, Fabulous. So, Wonderful. <laughs> a lot of insight to the Wild West and how things were run in our country. You've got quite a few things on your drawing board. <laughs> all of them have the underlying theme of the power of women. Women, all, yes. all women's issues and what our true power is. Right. Thank you so much for visiting with us and sharing your stories, uh, your senior success story. And I've loved having you with us. And uh, I hope our dear listeners have enjoyed our time together today. We tried to be informative and inspiring. Informative. Oh, my gosh. We learned about so much today that some of you may never have heard of before. Surprise! I will be back next Tuesday live at 3 p.m. And my upcoming guests will all be eclectic, exciting, and energizing, just like Cindy was today. My 80-year-old thought for the day is that you must be very, very, very nice to your children because they're the ones who are going to decide which retirement homes you go to. Thank you for entering the No Wine Zone with us today and share our stories and our show with everyone you know. Remember, it's time to stop whining and then start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can just start eating chocolate, lots and lots of chocolate, and maybe have a glass of wine, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you, Cindy. And I, I can't wait to have you back uh, when Ruby's done. And I just to keep us informed about all your wonderful projects. You're at such an exciting time in your life, and I'm so glad you could share it with us. Ruby is finished. Oh, okay. The next one's going to be Emerald. Emerald. And Emerald's going to talk about the Misty Isles, the witch burning time. Back okay. in- <laughs> yeah. It gets better and better. We'll schedule that one for the St. Patrick's Day show for sure. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye to everyone and take care and stay safe until we meet again. Bye. Thanks. January. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Story. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.
Okay, so what this is twenty four spring gum. I know that was happening. Uh twenty four though. Six micro microwave alternative to Microwave. Okay, oven. To alternative. To auto. And it's five letters. To alternative to microwave. To auto. And then it's blank, O, B, blank, blank. Alternative. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Heart, heart chain first. And top, 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 top. I'm going to take a break and uh, Nurse 
The nurse. What nurse? Huh? Oh, is she looking for us? I got her name. Her name is Cami Ron. So we need to go get a thank you card and drop it off. I got it yesterday, remember? Yeah. No, but I mean, we can just leave it with her name, seal it.
Uh, I just went to the emergency room.